Thank you for joining us to hear today's message. At Faith Assembly, our passion and purpose is loving people to life in Christ. To find out more information, visit our website, faithnewcumberland.com. The message that I have this morning came from a conversation that I had with some friends. As most of you guys know, um, we are going on a mission trip to Argentina next year. And a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a couple of my friends, just encouraging them to come along with us. And one of my friends asked me jokingly, are you guys flying or driving? And <laughs> I kind of chuckled because if we were to drive, you'd have to go like down through Texas, through Mexico, through the top of South America, the whole way to the bottom of South America. And I kind of, I laughed and I was like, oh my goodness, how long would it even take to drive to Argentina? So I got out my phone and I went to Google and Google took me to a website where I entered Harrisburg, Pennsylvania as my, um, as my place of origin and Buenos Aires, Argentina as my destination. And the uh, answer that came up on that website was just about as comical as the question that I had asked. It said, the route you entered is complicated. Have you considered flying instead? (laughs) With all of the border crossings that you'd have to go through multiple countries, um, you'd have to go through, I don't even know what, like I can't even imagine, like I don't know. You'd have to go through so much to drive there. Uh, so the website just cons- just said, don't even think about it. Just fly. It'll be so much easier on you. <laughs> so I was laughing about that, but I didn't really think much of it until a couple of days later when I was praying and God brought back that kind of silly search and it really challenged me with this. How many times do I take goals of mine, even plans that God has planted in my heart, destinations that he has for my life. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's just something that God has asked you to do, a specific group of people that he's asked you to focus on and love. Um, but how many times do I take those things that he's planted in my heart and I find myself saying, not intentionally, but okay, God, I can do that. I got that. The destination is good. Um, but how many times do I complicate the journey? And I found God saying to me when I was praying that specific time that your destination is good. What you're planning on doing is good, but there are so many times that you complicate the journey. Have you considered my way instead? Have you considered what I'm asking you to do? I've given you that destination and I'm going to get you there, but you need to follow me. You can't just plan things your own way. But so many times I find myself sitting down and not intentionally, but just saying, okay, God, I got that destination and I know how I'm going to get there. I can do this, 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 this. I got this, God. And God's saying, no, I gave you the destination. I want to show you how to get there too. I want to walk this journey with you. So um, it just really challenged me that faith in God is not an experience that we have. It's not when we get saved. It's not when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not when God answers a prayer. It's not when miracles happen. But faith in God is in the everyday journey. It's in the priorities that we set. It's in the good, the bad, and the ugly of life. Um, So I was reading in my devotions, and I came across this story in the book of Acts. And it's about a journey, but not a popular one like the journey of the Israelites that we see in the Old Testament. Um, And in this journey we find two characters. We find Philip and a eunuch. So at the time, 
The disciples were living out the Great Commission. At this time in Acts, they were living out the Great Commission. The Great Commission, again, is, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So they were literally living that out. They were going to Jerusalem. They were going out through. They were going throughout Judea. They were going to Samaria and to the ends of the earth, starting the church and telling people about Christ. They had been filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, 4, it says, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. So at this time, Jesus had, he had died, he had resurrected, and sent out the disciples to start the church and to tell people about him. The church was born and it was growing by thousands. In Acts 2.43, it says, A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So the church continued to grow, and it was awesome. The apostles needed additional men to help them. They needed additional people to help them because the church was growing so fast that they just couldn't keep up with all of the people that were being added um, to the Christian faith. So the apostles had looked in looked among them and found um, a group of people who were just solid in their faith and ready to lead so the apostles added them and sent them out to do the work as well and we find that in um let me find that we find that in Acts 8.26, and this is where Philip comes into the story Philip was one of those people he was one of those um one of those people that the disciples added and and um he was going out adding to the church as well, preaching and sharing Jesus. So we pick up Philip's story in Acts 8, 26. It said, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south, down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candike, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So let's stop right there. Philip is on this journey, right? He's on this journey that God just told him, go. You need to go south, and I have something for you to do there. He didn't tell him what. He just told him to go, and Philip listened. Um, and while he went, he found this treasurer, of this treasurer of Ethiopia under the authority of the queen of Ethiopia. Now, this Ethiopia in the Bible is not modern-day Ethiopia in Africa. It was more like in the southern part of um, modern-day Egypt. And a Kandike uh, was, was like a title. It was much like Pharaoh or queen in the Bible. And that's important because, do you remember the Queen of Sheba from the Old Testament? Well, this was hundreds and hundreds of years before Philip, but the queen of Sheba had taken a similar journey, and she had gone to seek the wisdom of King Solomon, and she found the Lord, and she brought, she believed in God, and when she went back, she had started to rule 
in the mindset of believing in God. So all of the people under her believed in God. And it was because of her and that journey that Philip was able to make this journey. Because now Philip, hundreds of years later, has a base in a Christian faith and he believes in God. So he's taking a journey on the queen's behalf, kind of a pilgrimage, to Jerusalem to worship God. Um, so that's, that's where we find these characters uh, in our story. So if we look in verse 28 of that uh, same chapter, it says, and now he was returning. So uh, the eunuch was returning from his pilgrimage. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside that carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the book of Isaiah. So Philip was chasing this chariot, right? This is one of those scenes in the Bible where like, if it was turned into a movie, or even if you just imagine it, like, can you imagine Philip either running on foot or on a camel or a donkey? Because that's how he would have traveled back then. Can you imagine him, like, chasing down a royal chariot in the desert? <laughs> like, hey, stop. I'm going to knock things over, too. Hey, stop, stop, stop. Like, God has something for me to tell you. They probably thought he was crazy. <laughs> like, he's just chasing down a chariot, because that's cool. <laughs> um... But he, so he finally chases this chariot and he catches it. And Philip asks the eunuch, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replies, how can I understand unless someone instructs me? And he urges Philip to come up into the chariot and sit with him. So I asked you this morning, who is God sending to chase your chariot? Who is helping you understand what the word of God says? Catch this. I want you to notice that the eunuch went to church, right? He was on his way back from his pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So he had been to the holy city and he had been there worshiping God and it was fantastic. But I want you to catch that this revelation that he had was not at church. It was on his journey. It was on his journey of life that he uh, had this revelation. He had been to church and that was good. He would have never been open to Philip if he wouldn't have been to church and been on that journey. He would have thought that Philip was just a crazy man on a camel trying to chase him down. But um, he listened because he had been to church. He had that habit of uh, believing and trusting in God in his life. But the revelation happened on the journey. How we live our life and who we allow to speak into our life, the priorities that we set, that's the journey. God is always more concerned about the condition of our heart and how we live day to day than he's concerned with our destination. And that's exactly what he was speaking to me um, when he used the analogy of, the, um, of driving to Argentina. He's more concerned with the condition of our heart. He's more concerned with how we're walking day to day on our journey than he is concerned with our destination. If our faith is only at church, then we don't have any faith at all. It's easy to shout amen in here, but what does our faith look like when we're facing trials in the real world, in real life? Do we have the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that Philip had? Um, it's the power that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks here at church. Philip was so effective in his ministry because he had the power of the Holy Spirit and because he was walking with Jesus and listening closely to what he was saying. Philip had to, blind, had to have just blind faith to go when God told him to go. God didn't say go and I'm going to do this, 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 and this. God just said go and Philip listened and he went. Um, 
Notice also that Philip catches the eunuch in a place of uncertainty. The eunuch was reading out of the book of Isaiah, and he didn't understand what he was reading. So he was coming back from this amazing experience that he had in Jerusalem, and he was reading the, the ancient text, the Old Testament. He was reading out of Isaiah, but he didn't understand what he was reading. But God sent Philip um, to catch up to him in his time of uncertainty. And I think a lot of times um, God likes to catch us in times of uncertainty as well, because those are the times that we're most willing to listen um, but he's always willing to send a Philip. He's always willing to send, he's always sending somebody. But just like the eunuch, we have to be willing to let that Philip into our chariot. Excuse me. We have to uh, let that Philip in and let him speak into our lives. Until we can allow other people who have a solid relationship with God, it's important who we listen to and who we let influence us, but until we can allow other people who have a solid relationship with God into our place of uncertainty, we're going to be stuck in the middle of our journey. We have to ignore our pride, we have to take a step back and realize that our journey is more important than that pride, and then we can move forward. The journey is so very important. We have to have a destination in mind, right? We can't just blindly go out on a journey. We have to have the destination. The destination has to be there. We have to pray to God and ask him what he wants us to do and where he wants us to go. But then we have to also um, just focus on that journey and what he's asking us to do. Um, Sometimes I think that we get hurt and we sit in our chariot and we lock the doors because it's easier that way. It's easier to lock the doors and lock everybody out and not let anybody in to challenge us and help us grow. It's easier to just, you guys be out there, I'm gonna sit in my chariot and just hang out here. But chariots are really cool until we lock ourselves inside. Then they just become a cage and we become trapped because we're not letting anybody in and we're staying stagnant and we're not growing. Let's see what happens to Philip and the eunuch in verse 34. It says, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. The eunuch had the head knowledge about God, right? Because of Queen Sheba, because of um, his ancestors, his family, he knew about God. He believed in God. He believed in the Old Testament God before Jesus came because Jesus had just come and resurrected at this point, but he believed in God, Um, but he didn't believe in, it's not that he didn't believe him, but he didn't have a relationship with with Jesus. Um, So that's what Philip was showing him. Philip was showing him, look, you have a good foundation. You believe in God. That's awesome. But you have to have a relationship with God. You have to let God walk on the journey with you of life. And that was a revelation that the eunuch had in his chariot in the desert. Um, in verse 36, it says, As they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop. And they went down to the water. And Philip baptized him. When they come up, came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north in the town of Astos. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. 
the eunuch, he was an intelligent guy, right? He was the treasurer to the queen. So he was trusted, he was intelligent, he was in charge of all of the money. It would have been very easy for Philip in this situation to ignore some guy chase, I'm sorry, very easy for the eunuch in this situation to just ignore some guy chasing him down on a camel. It would have been easy for the eunuch to just assume that it was pre- he had a pretty good in life, right? He had a job, he had a chariot, he had wealth. He couldn't have been on that journey if he wasn't a wealthy man. It would have been very easy for him to just ignore Philip and say, you know what? I have success. I'm good. I got this. And just ignore what God was trying to tell him through Philip. And I think that a lot of times we come to the same place. We get to a place and we're pretty comfortable. We have a job. We have family. We have all, you can fill in the blank. We have all of these things and we get comfortable and we don't allow God to send people into our lives to challenge us and help us grow. It's easy to elevate things before God. If the eunuch had locked his doors, he wouldn't have had the experience that would have draw, that drawed him closer to God. Who do we need to let into our lives today? Do you need a mentor, a Bible study group, a friend that you allow to speak truth into your life and challenge you? I think a lot of times we let people speak into our lives, but then when they speak a challenge into our life, we're like, oh, wait a minute, stop. (laughs) And we lock those chariot doors, right? We're okay with listening until somebody challenges us. And we have to make sure that the challenges and the people that we're picking and those challenges are biblical. We have to make sure that we're letting people mentor us who um, have a good relationship with God and aren't leading us astray. But It's so very important to have those things in our life. Um, I think that we need to be like the eunuch and never get to a point where we think we've made it or we think that we know it all or we think that we don't need to continue growing. But I think that we need to be like Philip too. We look at Philip in this passage and ask, what's God asking you to do? Who is God asking you to talk to? Maybe he's asking you to get on your camel and chase down a royal chariot. You might feel weird. People might think you're crazy, just like they did Philip. But he's asking because the person in that chariot desperately needs you. Um, he de- they desperately need you to speak into their lives and, be, and help them change so that they can grow closer to God and be altered for the kingdom of God. This might sound like something... Um, that only super holy people do, but it's not. God has given us each other, and that's awesome. And I really think that God wants us to always have people pouring into us and always have people that we're pouring into. So it's kind of like, did you, you guys ever have those? My grandma used to have one of those like big fountains in her yard where it had the huge base, and then like it got smaller, the levels got smaller and smaller, and then when the water it came down in levels. You know what I'm talking about? So I think that sometimes God wants us to be like that middle rung. He wants us to always have people pouring into us because if we're not having people pour into us, then we're not going to have anything to pour into others that is valuable. We might have some dirt and some grime in there that we can push off to the people below us. But if we're not being poured into through church, through Bible study, through mentors and other people pouring into us, then we're not going to have anything valuable to pour into others. But 
if we are just always poured into, poured into, poured into, and we never pour into others, then we just grow stagnant like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, nothing lives in it because streams come into it, but nothing goes out. So it's just grows stagnant and everything dies because it's not flowing and pouring into other things. There's never a fresh refill and, um, and cleansing there. There's never any growth because everything is dead. So I think that um, we need to be both like the eunuch in our story and we need to be like Philip. We need to make sure that we have people above us pouring into us, but then also make sure that we're pouring into others. The Great Commission that Philip was playing out is the same Great Commission that God has given us today. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That just means making yourself available when someone needs to talk. It means being a friend who speaks the truth. Sometimes when friends come to us for advice, it's easy to just tell them what they want to hear. But we need to be the type of friends that just really challenge them biblically and challenge them to do the things that we know are right. Um, yeah, so it just means stepping out, even if it's not comfortable. On Christmas, we host our family at the Fairview Fire Hall, the same fire hall that um, we have our Thanksgiving dinner from church. And um, if you remember this year, like, it was super cold outside. It was really cold on Christmas. Maybe not as cold as it was today, but it was pretty cold. Um, <laughs> so on Christmas, we moved to the fire hall because we just have too many people to host in our homes anymore. And um, you know how they say that, like, everybody's family is a little bit crazy, right? So our family is a little bit crazy too. Like we have the uncle who probably needs to shower more than he does. We have the, um, the aunt who has an opinion about everything, like everything. <laughs> we, um, we have the grandma who will bring a two pound um, processed ham to feed 30 people. <laughs> like... Our family is not perfect. We have crazy people just like you do in yours. Uh, but here's the thing that I love about our family. We had to move to the fire hall a couple of years ago because we were running out of room at our house. And it wasn't necessarily because our family was growing, but it was because we've always been the type of family that whoever needs a family for Christmas just comes to our family dinner. So if people have friends that don't have anywhere to go for Christmas... They come and they're our family for the day. Um, this year, I counted it up while I was preparing for the sermon, and at least a third of the people at our uh, Christmas this year weren't family by blood. And I just love that. I love that um, that anyone who, who needs somewhere to go for Christmas can just know that they can come and be, be family for the day. Um, and this year, after dinner, so we're all sitting around and talking, and we're in the fire hall, and we noticed out the window, um, out the windows you can see there's like the guardrail, and then there's a bank, like an embankment, and there's kind of like a little stream that runs by there. So we're sitting there, and we see a guy climb over the guardrails, and he was down in the stream, like just kind of looking around. And we're like, oh, that's weird. Like, it's, it's cold outside. Like, it was really cold outside on Christmas. Um, so the guy, he eventually came into the fire hall and he asked my dad if he knew how long there was a deer out in, like a dead deer out, out in the stream. And he had asked my dad, do you know how long that deer has been there? And 
dad said, no, I, like, I don't know how long he's been there, but why don't you come in and have a meal? Like, we have plenty, we always have plenty of food. Despite the two pound hams, we always have plenty of food. <laughs> so um, he told him, come on in and have a meal. And the guy said, no, no, I don't want to intrude on your Christmas. Um, I was just, he was like, I was going to take that deer home um, for a couple of meals if, if nobody, if you knew how long it was there. And dad said, no, please come in. Like, it's completely fine. Come have a meal. So he ended up sitting and um, talking and eating a meal. And we found out that he was walking to Rudder's to buy some hot dogs for his Christmas dinner. And he was going to take the deer back with him uh, for a couple of meals if we had known how long he was there. So um, he ate a meal and we sent him home with plenty of leftovers after he sat there and, and uh, talked for a little bit. But um, I just think that those are the things like sometimes we shy away from those opportunities of just stepping out and being uncomfortable and just asking like hey do you want to come in for a meal well, as soon as he walked in the door we didn't start preaching at him and telling him that he needed to be in church and all of these things we just loved him where he was we just asked him like hey you look cold and you look like you could use a meal do you want to come in and sit with us and eat we have to build relationships with people um, before they let us into their chariots. And I think that that's just the most important thing. Those are things that we can do day to day, but those are not things that happen in church. Those are things that happen on our journey. Those are things that happen along the way, just opportunities that we see that we can say, hey, do you want to come in? Hey, can I do this for you? Hey, I see a need in your life. How can I just very practically meet that need? Um, So, friends, the journey that we are walking is so important. We have incredible power to help, to serve, to love, to listen, to advise, and most importantly, to share Jesus with people. Tomorrow, we start a new year. It's a blank slate, a new beginning, a reset. We get to stop and reflect and decide how we're going to live differently in 2018. Who are you going to help this year? And who are you going to let help you? Who are you going to let pour into your life? And whose life are you going to pour into? Our destination is good. If we're a Christian, we all know that our destination is heaven. So whether we have good destinations on earth, which we should, because God has good things for us here too, but our ultimate destination is good. But how are we getting there? How are we living our life day to day? How are we walking on our journey?